Hello, esteemed listeners. Welcome back to the fourth episode of Inside Grupper, the podcast from Grupper that brings you up to date about the research activities from our community. Today, in our episode, we will dive into the evolving realm of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and highlight the manuscript titled Management of Antisitis in Patients with Psoriatic Arthritis. It offers a detailed look into the latest understanding and advancements in imaging this critical aspect of psoriatic arthritis. And I'm really excited to be joined by the key contributors of this manuscript with Professor Philip Mies from the US and Dr. Elihi Adder from Canada. Dear Philip, dear Elihi, such a pleasure having you here with us today. Pleasure to be here, Fabian. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you very much, Fabian. Perfect. So let us directly start. And maybe he, you can help us a little bit of better understanding antisitis. What is antisitis and what is the current understanding, the impact of the patient's life? And what are the challenges that we encounter in our clinical practice? So as I'm sure many of the listeners know, antisitis is an inflammation at the insertion of a tendon or a ligament to the bone. It is considered to be a unique feature of psoriatic arthritis and spondyloarthritis when compared with rheumatoid arthritis. And it's even suggested to be the initial site of inflammation in psoriatic arthritis, although this is still debatable. Microtrauma is thought to be causing an injury at the local site and then with some modification of the innate and adaptive immune system, this could lead to chronification of inflammation and eventually leading to antisitis as we see it in, in psoriatic arthritis. Clinically, antisitis is considered to have an important impact on patients with psoriatic arthritis, especially because it is often affecting the lower extremities such as the heels and the knees, and this could, could cause significant limitations um, and uh, impact on function. Antisitis can be considered as a marker of severity in PSA. There were studies from the Corevitas cohort showing that patients with clinical antisitis have more severe disease outcomes. And a study from our cohort in Toronto has shown that sonographic antisitis is associated with more radiographic joint damage. Uh, you asked about the challenges in managing antisitis, and I think one of the greatest challenges is that it's still hard to make an accurate diagnosis of antisitis without imaging, because clinically we rely on eliciting pain when we press the antisis, and swelling is quite an uncommon finding. And therefore, because pain is such a subjective thing, and then this could commonly lead to misdiagnosis of antisitis with both false positive and false negative diagnosis. And there is relatively low correlation between sonographic imaging of antisitis and clinical diagnosis of antisitis. So this can lead to some of the problems that we see, both in terms of diagnosis and evaluating a response to treatment. Thank you so much, Lee. And maybe you could also share some highlights because we know that also antisitis can occur in people without psoriatic arthritis because of, as you said, mechanically induced. And we know this, that you can have epicondylitis. And how is it with imaging? Can you differentiate between those entities? Well, that's a very good question. So some diseases that we manage as rheumatologists can cause antisitis or antisopathy. For example, gout or CPPD can cause abnormalities that you can identify in imaging. 
there are some NHL changes that can be detected as we get older. They are also more common with mechanical stress and people that are running or doing marathons or have more enthusiasm changes. So it can be quite challenging. And that's some of the research that we are currently doing as part of GRAPA is aimed to try and distinguish and tease out these maybe age-related or other contextual factors that could affect antisial changes from those that might be more specific for psoriatic arthritis. Thank you so much. And after we heard from Lihi this great introduction of also challenges and diagnosing it, maybe we can turn to you, Philip, and you can delve a little bit into the available assessments of antisitis and also the current treatment options that we have in treating our patients. Thank you, Fabian. I've had an interesting time over the last 25 years observing our ability to assess reliably enthesitis and then document whether or not a treatment can lead to a response or not. I agree with Leahy that it's one of the most troubling aspects of psoriatic arthritis. I can think of a number of patients who have, for example, conquered their arthritis or skin disease with available therapies, but may have one or two pesky enthesitis sites, such as the Achilles tendon insertion, which really continue to disable them. So it's a challenge. Over the years, we've seen several clinical assessments evolve, including the Leeds Enthesitis Index, a Canadian instrument known as SPARC, And then there is a measure that was developed for axial spondyl arthritis, the Maastricht enthesitis score, that has been occasionally used in clinical trials. The LEADS and the SPARC are the predominant measures that have been done. But as Leahy has mentioned, these can be imprecise because all we're doing is pressing on, a, on the enthesial attachment site and asking the patient about pain. And it's often difficult to tell, is this simply enthesalgia that the patient is describing? And maybe it's coming partly from uh, fibromyalgia aspect to their clinical case, or is it true enthesitis? And that's why in the best of worlds, we would couple clinical assessment with use of ultrasound or MRI, but particularly ultrasound to document evidence of inflammation. In many of the long-term observational registries, we see enthesitis being present using these clinical methods in anywhere from 25 to up to 50% of patients. But in clinical trials where patients are, often have more severe disease, we typically see a higher percentage having evidence of enthesitis at baseline. In with most of the therapies that are now approved uh, for treatment of psoriatic arthritis, we've been able to show statistically significant improvement of enthesitis compared to placebo. In the early days of the TNF inhibitor trials, we really didn't measure this very well or didn't know the importance of measuring it. But as the trials have evolved and we've gotten better measures, including the LEADS and SPARC enthesial indices, we've done a much better job. And nowadays we can demonstrate that typically over 50% of patients will have complete resolution of evidence of clinical enthesitis based on tenderness, possibly a little bit less if we turn to ultrasound. 
but clearly we're making headway. And uh, I'm excited that most of the therapies are showing such good benefit. This is important for patients to be able to know that they can ambulate, that they can use their both upper and lower extremities without so much pain from emphysial involvement. In the future, we are seeing some potentially new therapies come along that even yield better results. For example, in recent trials with one of the nanobody, very small molecular size IL-17 inhibitors, we're seeing a dose-related improvement of emphysitis resolution, wherein virtually all of the patients within a 16-week period had resolution. Whether this is due to better penetrance related to the small molecular size or other factors, or simply the fact that in this early phase two trial, we saw better results than expected, this remains to be seen. I think that this is a very important area, and I would like us in the future to bring more reliable assessment to the measurement of emphysitis. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for sharing these very insightful messages with us. And I really learned a lot, and especially the word antisalgia. This is great. I will definitely use this in my vocabulary from now on. And I can always refer to Big Philip Meese stating this. And maybe you can also share a little bit, because we know that we are assessing antisitis with pain at the interior site. Do you think that we will have a dedicated RCT where we have imaging outcomes for antisitis in the near future? I do. And thanks partly to Leahy's effort, along with Gurji Kalin and Sybil Aiden, leading the GRAPA ultrasound working group. We're coming up with new and better measures using ultrasound to define the presence of enthesitis and be able to measure its progress with treatment. And so I, I do think that uh, in the future, uh, especially as more and more rheumatologists become comfortable with employing ultrasound in their practices, that we will see more reliable assessment and focus on this important clinical domain. Thank you so much. Lihi, maybe you could start with sharing your key highlights of the current unmet needs for managing antisitis. What would be your 30-second soundbite highlighting the current unmet needs? Well, I think we alluded to the lack of reliable way to accurately make a diagnosis. Even with the ultrasound, we don't, still don't have validated tools, and this is something that we do hope to have a new tool, duet tool in the next I guess, few months even. And with that tool, being able to distinguish enthesitis in PSA from non-PSA patients, this will open a door for more research, both of observational and hopefully also clinical trials that will look into the natural history as well as response to treatment of enthesitis in particular as a primary outcome in psoriatic arthritis. Sounds exciting. Philip, maybe you could also close with your highlights, just summarizing what we have discussed today. Well, I think a key unmet need is really understanding the true pathophysiology, what cells and cytokines are fundamentally involved in enthesitis. Also, understanding if there is any difference between peripheral enthesitis and spinal enthesitis. So we know that 
the spondylitis aspect of psoriatic arthritis, and for that matter, axial spinal arthritis, involves inflammation where ligaments are inserting into the vertebral bodies. Is the pathophysiology in the spine any different than in the periphery? Will this have a bearing on what drugs we try to treat spinal disease as compared to peripheral enthesopathy? I also think that we're going to have a need for more precise molecular imaging because it's not easy to biopsy enthesial sites and really understand about this pathophysiology in order to better guide best treatment options and employ some of the emerging therapies as well as older therapies to bring to bear to see complete resolution of this inflammation. I could not agree more and it was really insightful for me to listen to your expertise today. And that brings us already to the end of another episode of Inside Grupper. Massive shout out to you, Lihi and Phil, for sharing your expertise on management of antisitis in patients with psoriatic arthritis. But also to you all for listening today. Remember, there's so much more ahead in the world of Grappa. Stay curious and keep those alerts on for upcoming episodes. We've got some exciting content coming your way. Until next time, this is Fabian Proft. Keep exploring and take care. 